Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Now. Very excited to be here with my friends and ministers and colleagues, uh, Mr. Dexter Wakefield and Mr. Ken Frank, uh, who've been on the show a couple times, and uh, I'm Wyatt Saselka. We're, we're very happy to be here with you, streaming live on Facebook and on YouTube. I want to thank you all for sharing the link. Please do share the link on Facebook. That really helps with, with awareness. Uh, we have a good topic today, really a, a fundamental topic if you think about it, uh, one of the most important topics, frankly, that we could, uh, we could cover. So, so I look forward to jumping right into it. Mr. Wakefield, Mr. Frank, the topic today uh, truly affects everybody. I mean, this is literally a topic that every single person on the planet is part of. And uh, it's, it's, it's really going to be a good show. So I, I, I encourage all of you to, uh, to not tune out, stay with us. The topic is the family, not just marriage and husbands and wives and children, and, but also the future of the family. What, what are some problems happening in society today, economic impacts? And we've really prepared a good show. And then also the future. What, what is God's plan? And what does the Bible really tell us about what God's trying to teach us within the family structure, but also what is the purpose of the family from a, a theological uh, perspective? So question number one, and, and I'd like to ask for input on Facebook. I think this question is one that if, if some of you would, would uh, give us answers on Facebook, it would actually be really helpful, or give us your thoughts. Why is the traditional family following apart? Why is the, the biblical, biblically defined family uh, falling apart, and what happens when it falls apart? Let me throw that out to you gentlemen, and I've got a couple um, news articles that I'll read in a second, but maybe keep it, keep it high level at first. Why is the traditional biblical family structure falling apart, and what, what happens when, when it does? Well, for one thing, they're abandoning biblical values that uh, throughout society is going much more secular, and they are abandoning the biblical values, those fundamental principles that um, our society was based on for so long. So as a result, it's deteriorating, and also the uh, pathologies of that deterioration are appearing throughout society. I think the key to this is what Jesus said in the Gospel according to Matthew. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And the Bible, being our guide, shows us what happened to the family back in Genesis 3. It goes back to the sin that was committed by both Adam and Eve, and it, it was then conveyed generation after generation as people turned their backs on the Word of God. Yet God had established a family. It was one of the two institutions in the, book of the early chapters of Genesis, along with the Sabbath, the family institution. And so the families today are divided against themselves. And there are many related problems we can perhaps get into later. Yeah, I mean, it was actually one of the, or it's actually the first recorded commandment uh, in the Bible, in Scripture. The one of the, it's the first recorded commandment to Adam and Eve to yeah. go and be fruitful and multiply and, you know, establish a family. And, you know, so um, God is very much uh, pro-family, and God wants us to have ha happy families. A couple news articles. <clears throat> it just uh, struck me as amazing. Just as an example of where we are in society, uh, this is from a, a Politico um, 
article, but it, it, the news has been covering this. Trump bans transgender individuals from U.S. military service. He announced that on Wednesday, uh, wants to roll back a uh, Obama-era policy, and this is sparking all kinds of, of controversy. Um, the, the, the traditional biblical-based family, that's just one example of where we've really gone a long way in the wrong direction from where, where we used to be. Let me read it uh, from a different article. This is from Christianity... Uh, I'm sorry, this is from the Christian Post, and I think we can put this up on, on screen. This is from the Christian Post, and it's from March of this year, Christian Post. And it discusses the impact of when a traditional family breaks down, how that bothers and causes problems with the, the kids and their, their faith in God, mm -hmm. their faith. And so here's, here's a, a quote from it. Um, McFarland, this is a, uh, a uh, theologian, uh, he, he, uh, he said in a recent interview with the Christian Post that he believes that the largest factor driving millennials, those born between 1982 and 2004, away from Jesus, away from faith, is the disintegration of the modern family. And he tries to put a positive spin on it, say that, you know, there's, there's hope. Uh, he, another quote from this post. It's almost as if they, speaking of the, the millennials, believe that, that God is a benign therapist and he exists to enhance their life experience, but he really doesn't want to interfere with their life. And, and, and that he's making those comments within the context of family. You know, what, what is, how should husbands and wives and children and so forth um, all, all be constructed? Last quote. One of the biggest points he brings out is th that... that, that drives a wedge between kids and, and God or kids and faith is hypocrisy. When, when people, kids see hypocrisy in the family, they see uh, divorce, they see you know, various, various types of problems, hypocrisy. And so anyways, according to, um, to this individual, uh, one of the consequences of the traditional family falling apart is kids or young adults losing their faith. And there used to be a saying, said the family that prays together stays together. Maybe they ought to reverse that and say that the family that stays together prays together as well. I think that religious faith is extremely strong as a binder, a social binder within the, or within the families. And uh, we could just see just the speed of the sociological and societal changes that have been going forward in recent years. You, um, of course, you mentioned the transgender movement and all of these other things. It just shows that the, there's been a huge, fast change in society, and it's impacting families, and it's impacting how they're staying together in their faith. That's right. And in the mid-19th century, Alex de Tocqueville, a French commentator, toured America. And this is what he said about the American family then. There is certainly no country in the world where the tie of marriage is more respected than in America or where conjugal happiness is more highly or worthily appreciated. And how far we have drifted from that. Hmm. The American family has changed dramatically, not only since that era, but even the last 50 years, our own lifetimes, how much has changed. Let's look, sort of look at the other side of the, of the coin on that. Uh, we were talking about how family breakdown causes loss of faith within the family. But what about, just say, well, intact families, their families that support faith. They are the faith families, and they tend to remain intact. So what we're seeing is the faith families staying strong together, and the families that were out of, that are without it don't have a great uh, moral and societal glue that holds them together, that spiritual basis of a family. I, I, I think it's really important to make that comment or, or discuss 
what's the cause and what's the effect. Uh, in, in just a minute in the show, we're going to talk about some economic consequences. And one of the studies, which I'll try to read in a moment, basically makes the, the, the draws the conclusion, this is a big study, essentially that it's not necessarily that, um, that the wealthier people uh, produce children and offspring that, that, that become more successful, it's actually very often the, 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 the intact family that produces children that become more successful. We'll get to that in a little bit, but cause and effect, you know, and you mentioned uh, the, the old adage, if the family who stays, to, uh, who prays together stays together, and, uh, or, sorry, yes, and maybe we, maybe we should, uh, should reverse that. Th did I get that backwards? No, you got it. You're Good. Fine. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, th from the Christian Post, I, I think, um, Mr. Frank, we were uh, talking about this, this article in preparing for the show, and that's where the uh, Alex de Tocqueville uh, quote comes from. In the Christian Post, uh, this is an uh, article from a couple years ago, <clears throat> the, the, the writer mentions that recent U.S. surveys show the U.S. taxpayers' money appropriated, appropriated to, quote-unquote, close the gap between higher earning, or sorry, higher achieving and lower achieving students has failed to achieve that goal. And contrary to conventional wisdom, poverty is not the principal cause of the gap, but whether or not children grow up in a family with their own mom and pop. Uh, when you when you start looking at the stats on that, a lot of times between ethnicities, you can see um, some very high variations in income and, and so forth. But if you look at, say, 30-year-old um, uh, intact family, whether they're all high school graduates, you're getting very close to parity in income-wise and in a socioeconomic way. So uh, it's a huge it's a huge factor. Uh, kids do much better in school when there's a father and mother there, um, they have more respect for authority, um, the fewer of the normal pathologies, the drugs, all of those other things, they just don't have as much of that because the families are, are very supportive. The husband supports the wife, the wife supports the husband, and they should present a common front to the kids. Fathers are a nice, strong authority, uh, authority figures in a house, and men can be uh, territorial. They can keep their kids in line in ways that just one parent can't do. So it makes the kids much more secure and makes for stronger families. Fatherless families are a critical issue in America today. And God, by his very nature, has both sets of qualities. Primarily, he's portrayed as a father, but there are a few times when he seems to be portrayed with a few feminine characteristics. But he has divided these characteristics into the two sexes. And so children need to have the influence of both sexes. And the influence of a father is immeasurable for both boys and girls growing up. They need that stability, they need that guidance, that fatherly love that helps them in their future relationships for marriage and having their own children. This is really true. And, you know, first, a confession, Mr. Frank and I both have four kids each, but he's got all the grandchildren. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we are sort of familiar with, with what we're talking about here. But I, I will say that boys and girls are hardwired for having different relationships with their kids. You know what the daughters are like. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the time they're 
tiny. They they could do this to their daddies. For some reason, they know how to oh, do yes. it. They, they, they are marvels at it. And the little boys relate to their fathers in different ways as very well. Very different. Mm -hmm. Very differently. So kids are hardwired for both relationships, and they're both very important and in need. Uh, I will say that I don't want to put down the, the uh, single parents because they're heroic in what they do. As many as, what, over 40% of our kids are going, born into mm -hmm. single-parent homes these yeah. days. Yeah. So there are mothers out there and single dads out there that are doing a tremendous job. But um, and a lot of times the kids grow up well. But I, I will say that the kids need both relationships. And I, and I think the, uh, the, the you know, question number one was why is the traditional family falling apart and what happens? And I think that to bring that back to the high level, uh, there is a God of this world, Satan the devil, who's against uh, the, tr the traditional, the biblical, the godly family. And really there's, there's a whole myriad reasons why the traditional family is falling apart. Um, and sometimes you have single parent uh, you know, homes and, and they're doing the best they can and sometimes they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, but, you know, Satan is trying to tear down the family. And so, what, you know, that, that is the, the big picture reason. The consequences, we've talked about some of them. They can be economic, they can be, you know, there's all, a lot of consequences. You, you brought up, Mr. Wakefield, um, <clears throat> sort of how boys and girls can behave differently. The, the, the other next question we wanted to go through quickly is just very briefly, are men and women the same? We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, uh, you know, but in today's society, um, you know, we're, we're told that men and women are the same. Uh, you know, that's, that's what's being told to us. Are, are men, and what does the Bible say? Are men and women the same? Uh, Does God expect I would have to say from my personal experience, uh, very happy experience, <laughs> that they are uh, quite different. Um, and biblically, of course, God created men and women, and they created them for a, a different purpose and a different role in the family. And they b both have major powerful roles in the family, and they are both very important because we believe in, in our church and in our faith that uh, God has created all of these things for a specific purpose. I think we'll get more into that in a little bit. We, we will. Uh, Mr. Frank, you may want to make a comment. Let me, let me reference something from a uh, National Geographic article that came out uh, fairly recently. <clears throat> the Many Ways Society Makes a Man is the title. And I, I'll just reference a little bit. Uh, the article states, women and men do not have interchangeable <laughs> minds, notes Harvard psychology professor Steven Pinker in a book. Uh, boys tend to be, and this is something that's really common sense. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but this is sort of contrary to what a lot of educators and politicians and the news media mm -hmm. and movies are trying to trying to convey. And uh, I, I saw something, um, I can't remember if it was Ireland or England, but it was in the UK, where the advertising agency is going to come down hard on if um, advertisements put men or women in stereotypically, you know, husband, you know, dad or mom type roles in their ads. They're 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 upset about that. So, anyways, this um, this Harvard professor he he just states, you know, what to me is obvious. Boys tend to be more physically aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. But then he gets into talking about why, and I won't read all of this, but he mentions that some aggressive behavior can be linked to testosterone levels, which starting around age 10 and peaking in the late teens are typically more than 10 times higher in boys than in girls. Now, this is not a, a problem with boys, like some educators think it is. This is the way God, this is one of the many ways that God created 
boys and girls uh, to be different. And so he, he, he goes into why boys and girls are, are suited for different types of careers and behavior and, and so forth. But uh, Mr. Frank, you want to add any more uh, to this those, question? Those educators are in conflict with the very way the human body is made. I mean, look at the difference sexually and otherwise between male and female. And it goes back again to Genesis when God made the man, and then he made the woman, uh, as the story goes, from a rib that came from Adam, to be his complement and to correspond to him, to make a unity that would produce children. And boys are girl, and girls are very different in their physical structure, their mental structure, largely due to the hormones that God has built into the human structure. Hmm. So they're fighting against the very nature of male and female. I, I do think that uh, we, can, we can remember that there are a lot of things that girls can do, that they're very capable of doing, and uh, you probably taught your daughters to do a lot of things, uh, too, that, that, that I did, and um, both my daughters were, were good, good athletes as, as well, uh, but, within their, but within their own spheres. But I, I do think that the roles within families that God has put in there are very important. Uh, God has given a certain um, authority uh, biblically to men, but the biblical role of authority is to be used in service and in love, not for oneself. Christ being the primary example. Mm -hmm. He is Lord of Lords, but he gave more than everyone else. He served more than everyone else, and he accomplished and did more than everyone else. In the same way for a husband, if he uses what God has given him for himself, he abuses it. So I think that if all men understood that they should use the biblical authorities, the roles that God has provided for them in the Bible, only in the service of their families, for their benefit and for their good, that they would find that families and wives and so forth would accept it more readily. We use those things in love and service for our families. That's right. I, I've been very blessed. Uh, I still have my parents living. They're in their uh, they're up to 90 now. I have three siblings, uh, three younger sisters, and we had four children. And again, the boy came first. We had a boy and then three girls, like my own uh, parents and siblings. And the interaction between boys and girls was in a family structure where boys help the sisters, and the sisters look up to the boys, and the boys realize the girls are very different, and that um, even personal preferences and, of course, dress styles are very different. See, God is a God of variety. He has built into the human family a wide variety of uh, nature. I mean, as far as features that are in the two basic sexes of male and female. It's always fun to watch the interactions between the kids as they grow. Were your girls older or younger than the boys? The boy was first and then three girls. Okay, I, I, had, I had two older girls and two younger boys. So the boys just, oh, they thought their, their older <laughs> sisters are just the most wonderful things in the world. And the older sisters dote to this day, dote on the younger brothers. You know, if you have the proper family structure, one of the things I, I like to really to kind of brag about a little bit, not only do my kids love each other, they like each other. Mm -hmm. If they grow up in a a nice family structure. They love to get together. They are uh, trying to help each other out. Um, they, uh, they are just very close together. If you have the right family structure, families stay together. 
Yeah. They stay together in that way, and they have this wonderful glue of love and, and bond of love together. And we see it every summer in our family reunion when our four kids and all of our grandkids get together, 16 of us, and we get together for a few days either in Canada or in the United States, and we have harmony. And it's, it's wonderful to watch this joyful, pleasant Christian interaction between the sexes, between the age groups, and it is truly a blessing to, to see how God has designed his family uh, to, to, to be a model of his own nature. And you can't understate or underestimate the spiritual dimension, the importance of a spiritual dimension that God puts into, particularly in the church, in the living church of God and in our faith, that we not only look at these psychological and sociological things that we're talking about, but we're also looking at the spiritual dimension, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And until you really understand that and do it, it's hard to understand the importance of it and see the importance of it, but it does develop in families in, the, in an important way as it should. I want to say hi to everybody on Facebook and YouTube. want to remind everybody that uh, we make the audio available as a podcast, which is really convenient. So you can subscribe to our, uh, our podcast channel and receive the audio of, of these uh, TW Now shows and uh, share the link with your, with your friends. We just finished talking a little bit about um, our men and women the same, traditional roles. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, briefly the effect of the, uh, the, how, the break, how a breakdown in the family is affecting uh, people economically. I want to just, uh, just talk briefly about that. Uh, you mentioned earlier about 40%. Uh, I've seen statistics that it's 41% of children are born out of wedlock. And many studies um, show that that just puts those children at a disadvantage, sadly. It's just through mm. no fault of their own. <clears throat> There's an old article, Tomorrow's World article, uh, from 2010, where David Cameron, who's no longer in, in that role anymore, uh, was giving a speech in, in 2008, I believe, <clears throat> but he was talking about the need to repair their, uh, the UK's broken society, to heal the wounds of poverty and crime and so forth. And he really went very in-depth into the family and how when the family falls apart, then it puts the children and also, the, frankly, the, the family is as, as well, the mom or the dad, the single mom or dad, at a major disadvantage. Uh, what are some thoughts specifically about the economic uh, impact um, of, of the breakdown of the family and how that puts uh, kids and families at a disadvantage? Well, go ahead. Right. Well, you know, um, there needs to be a safety net in society. And, um, and it's wonderful that we have these things, and it even has uh, biblical precedence that we should do that. But one of the things that um, uh, took place back in the 70s and the 80s is that they put in place um, programs, um, uh, welfare programs, that really sort of substituted the government for the husband in many cases. And the economic bond between the wife and husband uh, the economic contract, to a certain extent, was undermined or frayed or even broken uh, to a certain extent. As a result, that there were many more um, uh, babies born out of, out of wedlock. Some of the statistics on that are, are extraordinary. Just for um, one of them, uh, one study done by uh, the CBO director, June O'Neill, this is from the, um, the CBO Office of Congress, 
uh, showed that age-dependent uh, children, when they increased it 50 percent, um, part in welfare and others in, in food stamps, which is uh, great that they can do that. However, it resulted in a 43% or correlated with a 43% increase in unmarried births. And this was initially very controversial when it came out, but it's not now. It's been studied so much that it has shown that often very well-intended programs can have uh, not so well, um, uh, well, I suppose well-intended, but not good um, uh, consequential uh, effects downstream uh, for families. And so they have to watch for it very clearly. Yes, these programs are dealing with the effects of the family breakdown instead of the cause. And a very interesting article by a, a writer named Star Parker, her title was Liberal Values, said, for instance, um, um, more and more research shows the correlation between the breakdown of the traditional family and poverty. And then later she goes on to say, American taxpayers spend almost a trillion dollars a year to help those in poverty, a portion of whom would not be in a situation if they lived their lives differently. Mm -hmm. Again, the cause is the disobedience to the instruction in the Word of God as far as the separate roles of the family and of a unified family structure. I think, I think you're spot on there. The, uh, I like to say there's no such thing as a victimless sin. People talk about, well, there's a, this is a victimless sin. You're, just, you're not hurting anybody by doing this. The person who does it is always the victim and plus other people at, at some times. There is such a thing as divine law. There's such a thing as morality, and it doesn't change. It's not socially constructed, and if you go against it, it's going to have adverse consequences for you and for other people as well. So um, let's just say that sin is toxic to the sinner, and there's such a thing as sin, and there's such a thing as right and wrong in God's eyes, and to go against it is going to have adverse consequences. We're getting a lot of questions on Facebook and comments about how has TV affected the family, feminism affecting the family. Uh, do we think that Satan um, had an inkling of, of God's you know, plan and, and, and is Satan intentionally trying to affect the family? Uh, relating those questions back to the economic impact, there's an NPR uh, article from June 18, 2017, very recent. Uh, poverty, dropouts, pregnancy, suicide, what the numbers say about fatherless kids. And, and I guess this comes back to what both of you gentlemen, Mr. Wakefield, Mr. Frank, were discussing. You know, regardless of whether or not you're on one end of the spectrum or the other regarding feminism and all this stuff, okay, um, the stats, the facts are that fatherless families create a dire situation for the kids. I mean, those mm -hmm. are just facts. And so this is NPR. This yeah. is not some super conservative, uh, you know, uh, news uh, program, okay? And so what's NPR say? Dropping out of school, listen to the stat, listen to the stat. Is this what God wanted? Is this, is this what God envisioned for the family, for kids? No. Dropping out of school, growing up fatherless, and incarceration appear to be, guess what, connected, connected. So no matter how much the government's trying to do, NPR concludes that they're connected. One study from 2012 uh, titled The Vital Importance of Paternal Presence in Children's Lives shows that seven out of 10 high school dropouts are fatherless. 
Okay, you, you, they use the word connected there, and I've studied statistics at the graduate level. I think you've studied statistics too. Actually, there's an extremely high correlation, a, right. a very high correlation between the two when you compare the, the two uh, sets of numbers. They are highly correlated, and they both go up together. So um, I'm very glad that, that, they, that they put it that way. But for, it's wonderful that our both our... Uh, liberal and conservative uh, friends are finally finally seeing it that way, but the the family is at the core of it, and it must be supported. And if you harm those things, it's going to have societal conflicts throughout. And so, no wonder that Satan is pushing a, a, a non-biblical family approach on, on on society through TV and so forth. Mr. Frank, I know you wanted to jump in. Yeah, right? I mean, the whole world of education is what is at stake here. And this article you mentioned by Claudio Sanchez says the growing number of fatherless children in this country poses one of the most serious problems in education today. Children are four times more likely to be poor if the father's not around. And we know that poverty is heavily associated with academic success. Again, if dad's not around to encourage the children to do their homework, to uh, work hard in school, and to accept uh, su uh, success as well as failure, then those kids are being set up for a life of poverty, and it's generation after generation in many cases. So what, what, what does the Bible say about the proper structure of the family? Let's turn the corner a little bit. Let's, be, let's give some practical advice and counsel. <clears throat> what does the Bible say? What can parents do? What can single parents do? How can we, what, what values can we instill in our children? Um, I'm, a, I'm a dad, you know, what should I be telling my kids? Uh, I want my kids to be happy, and I want my grandkids, when I have them, to be successful, and uh, we, we, we should want our society and our neighborhoods to be intact and healthy. <clears throat> so what does the Bible say about the proper family structure? And how can we try to uh, provide some healing for our families today? I, I think I'll make one more comment before I turn it over. We, we do preach the return of Jesus Christ, but we are ministers, and we, we love uh, our, our brother. And we, we, we don't sit back and say, well, Jesus Christ is going to return and, and fix it all, and so there's, there's nothing we can, we can try to do in the meantime. Uh, now, we understand that we can't fix all society, but... What practical help and counsel can we give to people? First, folks, I want to say he's got a couple of great kids. You've got a really beautiful uh, family, and uh, we, we are all admiring seeing how well they're doing. Um, obviously, to have a husband who is serving in the right role, a wife who is serving in the right role, children who are taught to respect their parents, who is taught to respect their authority, um, uh, the authority of their parents, then they are guided in right ways with the right expectations and the, um, along the right path in life. And uh, you, you simply have to go with this proper biblical structure of the family. If you change it, there will be consequences. The family structure is to be built on love. And in the Bible, God lays out a family structure in which he talks about headship, that is, governance or management by the husband and the family in love. But it says here in Colossians 3, 18 to 21, wives, submit to your own husbands as mm -hmm. fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing 
to the Lord, to Christ. Children are obeying to serve Christ. And then he goes on, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they be discouraged. In other words, not be overbearing, overcorrective, again, but providing a structure that children need to grow up in. I think the security of a strong family is very important for kids. When they have a situation where families are unstable, the kids are unsecure, insecure, and it creates a lot of problems of their own, including psychological problems, depression, and all of these things uh, often come out of a very unstable, insecure family situation. Mm -hmm. So for young adults who are considering starting a family, we would encourage those young adults to uh, date wisely, uh, get to know your prospective husband or wife, and don't start a family outside of marriage. Hate to sound like an, an I'm, I'm the, the youngest of the three of us, just a little bit, so uh, I won't, uh, um, uh, nobody can accuse me of being, you know, the, the, the more, most old-fashioned of the three of us. I don't say that because I'm old-fashioned. I say that because it works and because that's God's law and that's God's mind. Uh, so what, what can we tell some of those younger people watching the show? Find somebody you're compatible with. Uh, Paul talks about, and Peter, about husbands and wives' relationships needing to be in the Lord. You need to find somebody who is a true Christian, but uh, we, don't, we can't get into a whole sermon about true Christianity on this show today. But get married. Raise a, raise a family within, within a, a marriage covenant. That's one of the most important things that we could encourage people to do. Marriage is a commitment, a big one, but it's not just a piece of paper that some, oh, it's a piece of paper, we can live together or something. That, that, that's simply wrong. It's a social commitment. It's an organizational commitment. It's an economic commitment. It's a legal commitment. There's huge commitments in, involved in marriage. These are the things that help hold it together and provide the structure that its families grow up and prosper in. I can attest from personal experience that establishing a family based on Biblical principles brings innumerable blessings. And we were, my wife and I, were certainly not perfect in any way, but we did have a very happy family to this day. And my heart goes out to families who, that are breaking down, that are going through severe trouble. But for those who are young, strive to follow the biblical teaching and do it God's ways, and you will have his blessing for sure. Amen. And this might be a great transition to our next question. What does the structure of the family reveal about its purpose? This is amazing. And this might be something that a lot of our viewers don't, frankly, don't fully understand, uh, that there is something that God is revealing and doing through the family. So what does the structure of the family reveal about the purpose of the family? Well, we could start off with, say, Acts 3.21. Just made a note or two here on it. Um, I'll break into this verse. It says, Whom heaven and earth must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken of by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. You know, God has a plan, and we call it the plan of salvation. And what we see here on earth is an extraordinary picture of what God is doing. We'll talk a good bit, of, I hope we can talk some about that here today. I know that there's some people say, well, no, all that's not true. God doesn't have a plan. Christ is the plan. No, Christ has a plan. He has a plan, and he's had it, according to the Bible, 
since the foundation of the world. God is working something out for his church. He's creating children. He's creating a family. So we have all of these family relationships talked about in the Bible. We have uh, Christ as the husband of the church. The church is the bride and the wife of Christ. We are sons of God. Um, all of these familial pictures appear in God's word and they're very important. Now some people will say, well, um, we're just projecting our own family images on an undefined God. It's no, that's exactly backward. That God, uh, man is created in the image of God, not the other way around. Uh, the church actually is a wife, but it is the reality of a wife. Christ actually is a husband, but he is the reality of a husband. The father is a father, but the reality of it. He came first. These relationships came first. This was done from the beginning, from the foundation of the world. So afterwards, uh, first came these spiritual realities, afterwards came the pictures. And I think uh, very few people in the world understand this very important biblical view of what the family is. The familial nature of God is not anthropomorphic, meaning um, the fact that we have familial roles in, in that, that we hear about with God is not us putting human images on God. The familial nature of the family is theomorphic, God putting divine images on the family. We are made in a very important image. And this is not understood out in the world, but God's church understands it, and it is a profound thing. And once you understand that as the structure of your family, the spiritual bedrock that it's built on, then that gives great strength and spiritual um, uh, support to the whole idea of having a family. Uh, there, Mr. Wakefield wrote an article a few years ago, <clears throat> 2004, and it's titled, God is Creating a Family, and that's sort of what we're talking about right now. We might be able to put that uh, up on screen. What you wrote, it, nice, very helpful, lengthy article, a lot of good information in here. I'll just uh, reference a couple, couple quotes from your article. Uh, you wrote, the father is actually a father, mm -hmm. uh, and he is the reality of what human fatherhood pictures. Uh, it's, uh, you can meditate on that for... For quite, for quite a while. What does that mean? Uh, you know, the human father needs to practice love, needs to practice righteousness. God the Father is, is full of love and righteousness. He's not some harsh God, which some uh, professing Christians try to make him out to be. You then say, Jesus Christ is actually a husband and our great firstborn elder brother. Uh, the New Jerusalem is called the mother of us all. You refer reference Galatians 4.26. Resurrected saints are actually sons of God. And the church collectively is actually a bride, the affianced wife of Christ. So a very helpful article, something the church has taught for, for decades. But as you said, we need to look at this theomorphically, not anthropomorphically. We are to reflect the spiritual. We are to reflect within our family, our, our families. Uh, we are to reflect what God is working out with the church. And uh, I think that is something that, that I would encourage uh, our viewers to hop on tomorrowsworld.org and do some searching, or lcg.org, and search for uh, terms such as family and marriage and 
sons and daughters. Mr. Frank, I know you wanted to yes, say Yes, let things. me hold up our booklet, <laughs> and I encourage you to download this, Successful Parenting God's Way, uh, which relates to this question. But this issue about the purpose of the family goes right back to Genesis, as so many things do. When in Genesis 1, God said, let us make man, humankind, in our image, according to our likeness. And this is called in the world of theology, the imago dei. And because of sin, we deface that image of God and we are experiencing the consequences of this in our families. But through Christ, through seeking of forgiveness, of repentance and conversion, people can be transformed. Families can be transformed. And uh, let me refer you to another article by the late John O'Gwynn, Rebuilding Happy Families, which is on our website and in our larger booklet. Mr. O'Gwynn says, the most important aspects of what we believe about ourselves and about the world around us are formed by the lessons learned at home. And then he goes into what happens when families break down? What can we do then? And we know some of our viewers are living in unpleasant relationships, but Mr. O'Gwynn's article was written for you. And in that article, he goes through and shows that if you have come from a painful background and experienced deep hurt, one of the most important decisions you can make is to let go of the hurt and the resentment and start to build new relationships. And that's how he goes and finishes the article. So let me refer you to that. And I'm just to circle back, you really nailed it on that. And you talked about the spiritual basis that good families are built upon and the realization of what the family is. It is the picture of something greater, and we want our families and our family roles, whether it's as a husband or a wife, to develop in that picture. We have this tremendous um, image above us that of Christ and the church and all of the family relationships between what a true father is like, the love of God, and how he loves and supports his, uh, his children. We have this um, great image, uh, this great example that we aspire to have in our own families. So I can't underestimate or understate the importance of the spiritual basis of strong families. If you uh, do it according to God's uh, word and his way of life, it is, a, uh, it is a structure and a foundation and an understanding within our families that others just don't have, and sometimes with consequences. A couple people have asked on the, the web, on Facebook, uh, you know, what about in the, in the millennium? It's, it's an interesting question. Uh, a couple of people have asked, I, I, I can't find, my eyes not falling, fall, falling on the actual question right now, but basically they asked, uh, there won't be male or female in the kingdom, so what's going to happen uh, to the family in the future? And there might be two uh, answers we need to give. There might be two, two helpful answers, maybe one about the, the millennium briefly, and then, and then also about the, the family of God, because we are referencing these things, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a fair and a good question. So I'll, I'll throw that on the table uh, for both of you gentlemen. But what about the future in the kingdom of God? And specifically, this one person was asking about in the kingdom, there will no longer be male and female, uh, which is true, but maybe we need to help explain that more fully. 
Well, when, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the God family, the holy mountain of God. Um, the millennium is a thousand-year period that begins that kingdom. But that kingdom goes on and grows and increases forever um, in accordance with the Bible. So it's important, to, uh, I think, to distinguish between the two things. That's right. The Bible shows that during the millennium, there will be people, and they will be in the physical form, and they will be reproducing themselves, so they will have a chance to live out godly lives with a godly family structure. Because it's described in the book of Acts as a time of refreshing, times of restoration of all things, including the family structure. Mm -hmm. And that's what Christ is going to do when he returns and well, sets up his kingdom again. It's also important to remember that there are people who are not transformed and put on immortality and enter the family of God. There will be millions and millions of people that live in their physical bodies and go into the kingdom of God. Um, both, so there will be God's family, which will be people with, who are corporally spiritual. And then there will be um, the rest of the world at that time. Uh, it's, they talked about there not being uh, male and female. Well, you know, the church is a female identity in the Bible. The church is a female identity. Christ, of course, is the male, and the church is um, a spiritual Israel, is married, married to Christ. Um, so in an important sense, the, the Bible is the story of a woman. First, uh, as a physical Israel married to Yahweh, and then uh, as a spiritual Israel currently, um, uh, the bride, uh, not yet fully born, not, uh, but begotten, waiting on their birth into the kingdom of God and their translation into that. So um, sometimes people say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't have any women in it. It's the story of a woman and her relationship, her tumultuous relationship sometime with uh, her God, which is going to save her and make her immortal, and they will live together forever. And, and her God uh, has been perfect, righteous, and really very patient, <laughs> very, very patient. Um, so, so, so for, so for those, those who might be, you know, again, a little unclear, I think the question may have come from uh, where Jesus Christ in Mark 12 and Matthew, he says uh, that those who are resurrected will be like the angels, they, will, they won't give in marriage. And that parallels with what we've been talking about in Revelation 20, the first resurrection. And there will be a time of a thousand years where uh, those who have been resurrected in the first resurrection will become part of the God family. They will be spiritual. They will be spirit. And they will become part of God's actual family. And the church, the bride, the woman, as you just were referencing, will become, part, will become, will become married to Christ. And we will become part of God's family. And, 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 and in that uh, reality... Uh, there won't be male or female, and that's what, what Jesus Christ was referring to, Mark 12. Um, but, but there's also a thousand-year period, and now we're getting deep into eschatology, but there's a thousand-year period. The Bible's very clear. Go to Revelation 20, look at our website. We'll have another uh, TW Now show about this. But there's a thousand-year period where men and women will live on the earth during the millennium. And they'll have an opportunity to be taught the right way of family life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that will be, will be great. So ho hopefully that answers helpful to the couple people who asked that question. I'll just, just ask one, uh, add one thing to it, uh, that the male-female relationship in our physical bodies pictures 
is a picture of a greater spiritual reality that preceded it, which is the relationship between Christ and the church, um, Christ the husband and the church the bride. And that's the biblical view of this. So, um, yes, in, in a certain sense, we will all still have our gender in a, in a way, but we will be the church in that role. And quote, Yeah. Quote. When Jesus was resurrected and reappeared to the apostles, he looked like a man. Mm-hmm. But he was not a human man. But uh, we don't know everything it's going to be like in the resurrection body. But we could maybe safely say certain features of women will be maintained when they too are transformed Mm -hmm. and enter the God family. Can't wait to find out. That's right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Really enjoyed visiting with you gentlemen, and thank you for the questions out there on Facebook. Uh, Please share the link. Please join us every Thursday, God willing, at 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, We will be online broadcasting uh, TW Now live on Facebook and YouTube. And remember to subscribe to the podcast as well. So we'll see you next Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern.